coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Thursday to you. We start with uh, news out of DeKalb County, ABC News. The first, I believe, last night to break this. According to autopsy results sent to ABC News, Tortiguita Manuel Tehran did not have gunpowder residue on their hands. Officials had previously claimed that Tehran, part of the Atlanta Forest Defenders who were camped out at the proposed Atlanta Police Foundation training facility site in DeKalb County, had fired first at a state trooper. Officials responded with gunfire. That's the narrative. And 50, 50 bullet holes in Tehran's body seems to validate that. However, the lack of gunpowder residue on Tehran seems to put into question the rest of the story. ABC News reporting last night, DeKalb County has released the autopsy results related to the death of Manuel Esteban Paez Tehran who demonstrated against the construction of the Atlanta Police Safety Training Center earlier this year. The training center has been the subject of controversy. City officials assert that the center could improve policing. Critics claim the effort is militarizing police and endangering communities. Uh, more about the results here. Uh, Tehran, who went by Tortuguita and used they-them pronouns, was shot and killed by police on January 18th as officers raided campgrounds occupied by environmental demonstrators who had allegedly been camping out for months to protest the development of the training center dubbed Cop City by critics. According to the autopsy sent to ABC News, Tehran did not have gunpowder residue on their hands. Officials claimed Tehran fired the first shot at a state trooper. Officers then responded with gunfire. That was the narrative, remember? Continuing from ABC News, Tehran had at least 57 gunshot wounds in their body, according to the autopsy, including in the hands, torso, legs, and head. An independent autopsy from the family found that Tehran's hands were raised during the fatal shooting. The DeKalb County autopsy stated, however, there are too many variables with respect to movement of the decedent and the shooters to draw definitive conclusions concerning Mr. Tehran's body position. ABC News goes on to report Tehran's death has been ruled a homicide according to the DeKalb County Medical Examiner's Office. There is no body camera footage of the incident, police said. Officials say investigations into the incident are ongoing. GBI had no comment. One of the few city council members on the Atlanta City Council who has been a vocal opponent, vocal critic, I should say, at least of the proposed Atlanta Police Training Facility, a.k.a. Cop City, is council member Liliana Bakhtari. She retweeted that sharing of the article, which, by the way, was nearly 24 hours ago. She wrote, on January 18th, I learned of the shooting and death of Manuel Tortuguita Tehran and immediately began asking questions. I was presented with same narrative of events as everyone else. Through media reports, then a different narrative was presented, and then another, and now this. The autopsy report released yesterday by DeKalb County raises even more questions about the official accounts relating to the killing of Tortuguita, Tehran, and casts additional doubt around the legitimacy of the GBI's ongoing investigation into the joint operation in South River Forest. Neither the Georgia Bureau of Investigation nor Georgia State Patrol wear body cameras, and as a result, there is no footage of the events that took place on January 18th. The timelines reported by law enforcement had already proven to be contradictory, and with this new information from DeKalb's autopsy report showing no gunshot residue on Tort's hands, but at least 57 individual gunshot wounds, 
they have proven that their word cannot be trusted. Wow, this is strong from a city council person. Bakhtari continues, with public confidence compromised and having had multiple agencies involved in the incident, I am once again calling for the United States Department of Justice to open an independent investigation into what actually transpired in the South River Forest. As the lead agency on the multi-jurisdictional sweep, the GBI is incapable of leading this investigation. The GBI needs to be investigated themselves, especially since the crime scene was never secured. Tort and their family deserve answers. The people of Atlanta deserve transparency. And as a city that prides itself as the cradle of the civil rights movement, we must do the work to reconcile the death of a peaceful climate activist occupying public land at the hand of the state. She's not the only city council person speaking out. Jason Dozier tweets, This tragic revelation further clouds the original narrative and undercuts the public's trust in the accuracy of the information surrounding the training center. If all of this is truly worth the anguish, the protest, the disruption, and the tragedy, then we ought to, at the very least, be honest and clear with our citizens about what has happened and what is happening. Add in unprecedented charges of domestic terrorism against protesters and outcry about closed-door meetings, and we're left with a mess that gets worse by the day. The public needs to be informed about what's going on. From experience, I know operations like this are complex and risky and receive a great deal of scrutiny before, during, and after they take place. Patrol reports may frame one narrative, but that information is corroborated by GPS positioning, ISR footage, comms chatter, etc. So then why do we still not have a clear picture? The piecemeal drip of information, a wounded officer, purchase receipts, ballistic analysis, APD camera footage, multiple autopsy reports, conflicting testimonials, has only led to more questions and competing narratives. At the end of the day, this was a multi-jurisdictional operation, and at this point, we should have a more complete understanding than what's been shared publicly. It's been months. We need transparency. More importantly, we need answers. We owe that to ourselves, we owe that to the public, and we owe that to the family of Manuel Tehran. Now, y'all know I love me some uh, Patricia Murphy and Greg Bluestein, Mark Neese. Uh, I can cite a few other reporters and tell you that I, I do enjoy the reporting from the hometown paper here, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Love me some Mike Luckovich when it comes to the cartoons, to the uh, political cartoons. But I also have to point out that Cox Media, their parent company, is a big donor, a big supporter of the Atlanta Police Foundation and thus the Atlanta Police Training Facility. Right now, as I am telling you this information, I can't on the AJC's website, on the homepage, even find this article. Now, I did see it earlier in the day, but it is since gone, off the homepage anyway. Let me do a search. I want to read for you the headline and then tell you how far into the article they even get to the gunpowder residue missing part. Okay, so it took me a minute, but I did find it using the keyword autopsy. It was the second article in the search. Uh, here's the headline. This, nothing to do with gunpowder in this headline. DeKalb County releases official autopsy report for protesters shot by troopers at APD training facility. Actually, that just leads to a WSB television embed. Wow. Here we go. This is the actual article. Third in the search. And by the way, going back to WSB television, WSB and the AJC, a handful of radio stations in the market, all once owned by 
Cox Communications. I think they've sort of been split up since. But anyway, that just tells you why that there's their symbiosis. The headline in the AJC article, activists killed at police training center site had more than 50 gunshot wounds, autopsy finds. And it doesn't say anything about the gunpowder residue missing. Uh, Carolyn Silva reporting here. An autopsy report released Wednesday by the DeKalb County Medical Examiner's Office revealed that the body of Manuel Esteban Paez Tehran, the activist killed January by Georgia State Patrol troopers at the site of Atlanta's planned public safety training center, had more than 50 gunshot wounds. That's the first paragraph. That's a big, long, run-on sentence. The next paragraph. We are devastated to learn that our child, our sweet Manny, was mercilessly gunned down by police and suffered 57 bullet wounds all over their body, Tehran's mother Belkis Tehran said in a press release. Next paragraph. Tehran, 26, was killed by Georgia State troopers on the morning of January 18th during a, quote, clearing operation on the wooded property in southern DeKalb County. Multiple Georgia Department of Public Safety use of force reports alleged Tehran was found inside a tent and briefly spoke to officers refusing to leave before the troopers fired pepper balls inside the enclosure. The reports go on to say Tehran fired the first gunshot and six officers returned fire. The GBI has said that a fire... No mention of the gunpowder residue yet in this article. The GBI has said that a firearm purchased by Tehran had been tied to the bullet that wounded a trooper. This would be the time to mention the gunpowder residue not showing up in the autopsy. Nope. The article continues. Tehran was shot several times, including in the head, chest, legs, and hands. Bullets caused multiple exit wounds, and some did not cause any exit wounds. Still no gunpowder residue mentioned. 14 projectiles or bullet fragments were recovered from Tehran's body or clothing during the autopsy. The autopsy. What else was uncovered in the autopsy? Some wounds on Tehran's body. Nope, not going to mention it. Some wounds on Tehran's lower body overlapped or intersected with others. Here we go. Finally, the autopsy concludes that there was no gunpowder residue on Tehran's wounds, and there was also no evidence of gunshot residue on Tehran's hands. The report specifies that a gunshot residue kit was performed. Way down in the article, y'all. Way down. Seriously, what's the newsmaker of that article? The 57 wounds? Well, we knew we got shot at a lot. What's the story? Where is the, whoa, that's a new development. The new development is the lack of gunpowder residue on his hands or inside the tent, I believe. That's the headline. That's the story. Why is it being buried by the AJC, whose parent company contributes to the Atlanta Police Foundation? Why is that story still not a lead link at AJC.com right now? I had to find this. I found an article about an alligator mystery in the Okefenokee Swamp. I found a piece wondering where the hell Herschel Walker is after he ran for the Senate seat in Georgia. I mean, kind of relevant, but is that the headline story right now? Let's go to WSBTV.com. Let's see what the headlines of the day are there. Motorcyclist dead after crashing into GDOT vehicle on I-75. That's awful. The YSL case attorney brought prescription pills into the courthouse through phone at deputy sheriff says. I mean, that's pretty salacious. I guess that belongs on the whole Oh, this Metro Atlanta Takira is said to have the best taco in Georgia. That, that rates is more important than... The lack of gunpowder residue on Tortuguita's hands. Uh, more than 100 people charged in sweeping Georgia gang investigation. Oh, here we go. Latest headlines. Newton County, argument at McDonald's, woman text 911, Gwinnett health officials, rapid unscheduled disassembly, the SpaceX story, 
State parks ranked among top 50. Worker dies getting pinned by forklift. Oh, that's awful. Uh, Pastor Andy Sandley. Uh, I'm all the way down here to the tiny little thumbnail stories. Oh, here it is. Here it is. It is the uh, second, third, fourth, fourth row of the third tier of articles. DeKalb County releases official to- autopsy report for protester shot by troopers at APD training facility. I don't see in the headline the actual headline of this story. This is disheartening. The AJC, WSB TV2 seem to be burying this story. And. It's not the only one they're not reporting on. You know, I've talked a little bit about the school board scenario in Cherokee County. I will refresh your minds about that in mere minutes. Tonight could be a big night in Cherokee County. Will it? We'll find out. Back after this. Actually, before we get to the Cherokee County school board story, I want to revisit the Cop City situation just a little further. It was the uh, morning, I believe, January 18th, that uh, Manuel Paez Tehran, a.k.a. Tortuguita, was killed by Georgia State Patrolman. And the narrative initially was that uh, he fired on police officers unprovoked. In fact, credit where it's due, a young lady by the name of Hannah Riley. Uh, that would be at Hannah C. Riley with two Ys at the end pieces this together pretty eloquently and shared some of the, uh, in fact, shared the YouTube video of this press conference that we'll share a little bit. She says, here is the press conference held by cops the day they killed Tortuguita. Here is the first lie. At approximately nine this morning, an individual without warning shot a Georgia State patrol trooper. Hannah says, we know police shot pepper balls into Tort's tent first. Listen to Mike Register, the GBI investigator who was the first to speak, who decided in this press conference to remind folks that there had been folks arrested before because domestic terrorism. As you are aware, a few weeks ago, several individuals were arrested for domestic terrorism in the area around the future site of the public safety training facility. This morning, the GBI, with other local, state, law enforcement agencies, such as DeKalb PD, Atlanta PD, the Georgia State Patrol, and Georgia DNR, conducted a planned clearing operation to remove individuals who were illegally occupying the area. During these operations, if law enforcement makes contact with an individual, they are asked to leave the property. If individuals are compliant and no other criminal violations are present, they are released. It's what happened on two occasions today. At approximately 9 o'clock this morning, as law enforcement was moving through various sectors of the property, an individual, without warning, shot a Georgia State Patrol trooper. Remember, that narrative has since changed because the GBI has told us since then that Georgia State Patrol and whatever other multi-jurisdictional police officers were there first on the scene fired pepper balls into the tent. That that kind of smacks in the face of an individual without warning shot a Georgia State Patrol trooper, right? Hannah, by the way, goes on to mention in this uh, tweet thread, then the cops tried to walk it back, saying that they had given Tort verbal warning, and Tort ignored it, leading them to kill. Then it came to light that, in fact, cops had fired pepper balls blindly into Tort's closed tent first, which is an incredible turnaround from the, quote, 
As law enforcement was in the forest minding their own business, they were ambushed by tort narrative. Let's listen to that line again, which we now know isn't true, and then the following rhetoric. At approximately 9 o'clock this morning, as law enforcement was moving through various sectors of the property, an individual, without warning, shot a Georgia State Patrol trooper. Other law enforcement personnel returned fire in self-defense and evacuated the trooper to a safe area. The individual who fired upon law enforcement and shot the trooper was killed in the exchange of gunfire. Managed to leave out the pepper balls fired into the tent. And now we know there's no gunpowder residue on the decedent's hands or body. I'm pretty sure I've said this before, and I know I've had guests on who've said this for certain. Nobody's arguing that Atlanta doesn't need a better police and fire training facility. And I'm not even going to sit here and posture that some of the land set aside for this wouldn't be the right spot for it. I mean, I could argue that there are plenty of other places. We've got community colleges that no longer exist anywhere. Isn't like Atlanta Metro, isn't that campus like just sitting there, not being used for anything? Wouldn't that be a reasonable use? Anyway, I'm not even going to argue that the identified property or a portion of it wouldn't be a useful piece of property for this. Here's what I am saying. I am saying Throughout this entire process, dating back to 2017, when the citizens of that area of DeKalb County were promised something completely different, to now, the lies, the lack of information, the omission, I, I call lies by omission lies, they're, they're just, omitting facts is portraying a different narrative. The first advisory council that was put together only to have anyone who spoke negatively about the Atlanta police training facility on this spot to get booted off that council. Huge misstep. The new advisory committee that's been put together, meeting behind closed doors in secret. This is all just terrible handling of a story. And now we've got the murkiness of what became a deadly exchange between an otherwise peaceful activist and multi-jurisdictional law enforcement who, the day this deadly encounter happened, didn't have the story right for the public on the jump. If the Georgia Bureau of Investigation wants us to believe them, if DeCab CEO Michael Thurman wants us to believe him, if Mayor Andre Dickens wants us to believe him, if proponents of this Atlanta Police Training Center at this location wants us to believe them, they have to first be believable. Why do I only see one person in elective office between DeKalb County and the city of Atlanta? Why do I only see one person Councilmember Liliana Bakhtari saying, you know what? Th- this has gone long and far enough. We're letting the Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigate this, and now we're not getting any information out of them that dares contradict the original story. It's time for someone else to step in. It's time for the Department of Justice to come down and investigate this independently. 
Why is she the only one saying that? In full candor, in full transparency, wouldn't DeKalb CEO Michael Thurman welcome that? Shouldn't Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens welcome that as well? Shouldn't they, to finally, finally show some willingness to be transparent on this particular situation, would it not behoove them to say, yeah, you know what? Let's do that. Let's let's get on the right side of this story. For once, get on the right side of this story. You might be surprised at the people you'd win over if you were more transparent. If you took leadership, that's what mayors and CEOs do, right? They're leaders. Took leadership on this issue and said, you know what? It's time for a summit. It's time for us all to sit down. Forest defenders, come to this council chamber. Let's meet. Let's talk. Let's find some common ground. I'm looking for leadership, and I'm not finding any. Someone f***ing died, y'all. Get it together. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. And before I get into the whole Rob Recksteiner story, I thought I would first... Uh, introduce to you Rain Rose. Lorraine Rose is her name, and you are the is well. What do you guys call yourself? The the, the president. <laughs> what what is your I'm official the title? The chair. There you go. I'm the chair. The chair of the Cherokee County Democratic Party. And Rain was so nice to take my call yesterday, and I could tell she was a little caught off guard and maybe didn't want to go on the air right away. And I get that because you know I kind of ambushed. You know I apologize, but uh, I, I spoke to her. She was so nice. She was. Uh, very kind to tell us about, uh, you know, the, the party a little bit off the air. And then I said, you know what? I noticed that Rob Recksteiner ran unopposed uh, back in 2022 for his uh, school board seat. And I saw that there were some, you know, Democrats on the ballot that ran. And, uh, you know, you guys are making some inroads, but maybe a little help from the outside doesn't hurt, too. And, and maybe just some motivation. You know, Cobb County used to be a red county, too. And look at it now. So, uh the, that's right. It'll it'll get there, right? Yeah. It's going to get there. It's going to get there in Forsyth right. too. It's it's going to get there. Right. So we're we're hoping that we can uh, can you know take take note from what Cobb County did and have some similar growth here. Mm-hmm. We are a very red county. Mm-hmm. If anyone happened to watch MSNBC and Steve Kornacki, he talked about our county a lot, <laughs> and he referred to us as one of the reddest counties. In the country, and we, yeah, we got to fix and that. That's where we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, listen, I came from uh, South Carolina before I moved back to Atlanta, or back to Georgia. You know, my home state. I lived in a red county growing up, Columbia County, just outside Augusta. Is a red county, but it's it's getting more purple, and you guys are going to get more purple too as Metro Atlanta right. continues to grow, and and cities like Canton and Woodstock continue to grow and diversify. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, right? And we hope to. Um, Maybe accelerate the natural progression yeah. by you know, re- recruiting some, some, as you mentioned earlier, some uh, really high quality um, candidates for the 2024 elections, and um, you know, build our membership mm-hmm. so that we can. Um, we have some great ideas. We know the things that we need to do, but we don't have the people mm-hmm. to execute it, and we don't have the money. To execute it, and yeah. you know we're out here in the suburbs, and you know, sort of the hub of the Democratic Party is inside the perimeter. So sometimes we get a little overlooked. Yeah, I get um, it. I think that's that's starting to change. People are noticing us, 
we're, you know, challenged in that in this very red county, it is sometimes dangerous for people to know that we are a Democrat. And I know that can sound hyperbolic, right? It sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, there are really scary, violent people here who like to intimidate us. Mm-hmm. And we're doing our best to stand our ground. And we have a few more people who are willing to put, you know, a magnet on the back of their car or actually go out in public wearing your Cherokee Democrats t-shirt. But, you know, it's still very, uh, such a small number of people who feel comfortable doing that. And we've had people run off the road. We've had people shouted at, cussed at. We've had people mooned, like a woman with her child. Some guy mooned them because they were sign-waving for a Democrat. I mean, it was... So we've had some challenges, to say the least. And so, you know, the help that we really need are, you know, anybody can make donations through Act Blue yeah. um, on our website, CherokeeDemocrats.org, no, .com, sorry, CherokeeDemocrats.com. And um, we put that money to good use. Every single person in that does anything for the Cherokee County Democrats is a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. It's a full-time job. It, you know, I don't get paid and that's fine. Um, but we could use some, some monetary help. We'd love to have a field office. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to do things like distribute signs and postcards to people like, off my front porch. Right, right. <laughs> so my neighbors have been understanding so far, but um, that may not last through yet another election cycle. <laughs> so, you know, uh, right. So, um you know, we could only afford 5,000 postcards last year. Mm-hmm. We are a 200 and something thousand voters here, you know, and we sent out 5,000 postcards. But that's the money we have. And so as we grow, we can hit more people. And we use it really well. We're, we have some, the few people we have are really dedicated and incredibly knowledgeable. So we're able to really pinpoint who are the most effective people we can send these postcards to right. or make phone calls to? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, we have coffee and conversations on the first Saturday of every month. Yeah. And you can find that information out on our website or at our link tree, which is tricky Dems. Um, I was just going to say, you guys have one coming up May 6th and, uh, I'm loving the little blue donuts May 1st. or I'm so- uh, yeah, maybe it's May 6th. Yeah. Maybe. So they do they actually serve blue donuts? Yes. I'm loving that. No, um, <laughs> that would be funny. I think that's just uh, probably a um, a photo from Canva. Okay. <laughs> that yeah, we makes found, sense. but we do serve donuts, and um, we serve donuts. We serve coffee, and this coming speaker in on May sixth is um, from Telus, the Telus Museum, and yeah. it's talking about our. Um, just the wonders of the universe. So it's not even a political um, uh, speaker series necessarily, although the last three have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to inform people, but we also just want to, you know, inform people about the politics, but also inform people about the world we live in and why do we care? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we focused on the environment? Well, look at this amazing universe we live in. So, um, you know, everybody's welcome. You can register through our um, website because of where we live. We don't advertise the location. 
of any of our events. Isn't that something that you have to do that? You have to be subversive. It's yeah. like, it's like the, the, the back, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a 49 year old gay man. I remember what it was like having to, you know, early in the uh, 1990s to walk around a building, to walk into a gay club that couldn't look like it was a gay club from the street. This is just, uh, right. that's just it's not, Here we are in 2023 and we have to hide where we're doing things. So, I mean, you know, all you have to do is go on Mobilize and, you know, you go to our website, links you to Mobilize. And uh, once you sign up and give us your um, you know, name and email address, then, mm. you know, you can find out. So that's the best protection we can have that also still allows people to find us. Let me ask <laughs> your opinion on something. Nice middle ground. I want to ask your opinion on something. This is this was something that I kept saying a lot last year during the gubernatorial race. I really thought it was important that Stacey Abrams went to visit even ruby red counties like Cherokee County, because even if there's only three or four or five thousand, you know, ardent going to show up and vote voters in Cherokee County who are going to vote for her, and I think it's more than that. But even if that's all you have, you got to get them all out, right? So go where, right. go where, go where the voters are. Even if there's only so many to go in Cherokee County, and who knows, you may win over a convert or two who has been, you know, who's seen you demonized and think you're this, you know, fire breathing dragon, and then they find out, oh, she's kind of nice, right? <laughs> Don't see right. enough of that. And she came out. Um twice yeah you know while she was running right she came out here and um it, it was really you know exciting and wonderful to to have her here because we don't get a mm. whole lot of the you want to say bigger names to larger races mm. and although uh reverend warnock did come mm-hmm. out and uh brought his tour bus and himself and awesome. uh came out here to woodstock and that was amazing just absolutely amazing and yeah in a freezing cold parking lot uh, <laughs> and, stuck, and then posed for pictures with absolutely everybody. And it was, it was quite wonderful and sort of a new thing for us. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. And that's, uh, that's exciting. I didn't realize Cherokee County had 200,000 people. That's, I mean, that's a big, that's not a small County. That's, and we're not, we're not small. We're big geographically too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. So I, I, let me ask you this. Do you have a sense that, I mean, I, I know you see the percentage of voters that you get routinely, but do you have a sense that there are more already there, or is it a matter of waiting for the county to grow and diversify from folks moving to Metro Atlanta who land at Cherokee County? Well, there is so much growth here, and especially Woodstock, Holly Springs, and Canton area. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's reaching further north, of course, um, but we are seeing a lot of changed, uh, especially here in Woodstock, the neighborhood I live in, the, mm-hmm. the specific 90 home neighborhood I live in has quite a few more, at least liberal or progressive people here in my neighborhood than I have run into anywhere else in Woodstock. Yeah. And it's because, you know, I think a lot of the people who live here in my neighborhood moved from out of state, yeah. moved here. Right. So we are seeing that we are. And, you know, it's, tapping in and making certain that they understand what are the, especially now after SB 202 passed, mm-hmm. right? What are the rules? How do you get registered? What do you have to do? You know, you, you, you cannot use a drop box effectively. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of things to make sure people are educated about and the deadlines for registration. A lot of people are used to registering on the same day in many States. Yeah. You know, I 
go to vote. I register right there and I vote, but not here, you know, so we really have to do a lot of education about that. Um, even to be able to sort of maximize the, um, the Democrats who are here Mm -hmm. who just don't know the rules. That makes a lot of sense. We're on with Lorraine Rose, who is the chair of the Cherokee uh, County Democratic Party. I've been talking so much about Cherokee County the last few weeks, basically since the start of April, because of a, of a nasty headline-making event that uh, occurred when uh, the vice chair of the Cherokee County School Board, Rob Recksteiner, a.k.a. Rick Steiner of wrestling fame, uh, trans-shamed and dropped, dropped the, not the F-bomb, but the anti-gay F-bomb uh, at WrestleCon and managed to get kicked out of the venue, kicked out of the event, and it's it's been literally, it's been 20 days since this happened and there's not been a peep, not a word, no repercussion whatsoever from the school board. So the board's meeting tonight and Rose, your, your, your gut is that there's going to be some representation there. Who's going to want to ask questions at the end of the meeting, right? Right. Well, I know that we have at least, um, I've heard from at least one person who is brave enough to come and speak and, um, so she will be, you know, showing up and speaking tonight, assuming Good. they allow her, Good. because they are voting tonight to change the public comment section, <laughs> all the rules about that. So we don't know if that will go into effect immediately wow. <laughs> or after tonight. And I don't know that, and I don't want to make it sound like it's completely nefarious. There was that lawsuit from another school board meeting where somebody was not allowed to speak and that person won and was then allowed to speak. And mm. I don't really understand all the details of it, but, you know, I know that a lot of public meetings are changing the rules. So, mm. but changes may not be completely nefarious, right? They may not be completely about shutting down public comment, gotcha. but it does really strictly define what you're allowed to, t- like the subjects you're allowed to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, this does, I believe, fit in, one of theirs, even in the new guidelines, which is um, that it's relevant to school board, um, uh, their bylaws, or I can't remember exactly what they call it, but um, because it is, because it says that they're, that, you know, the school board members are not supposed to be, and I'm completely paraphrasing, but that they're not supposed to, you know, bring shame on Mm. the the school board. So, you know, we would argue he did. <laughs> right, yeah, obviously. Uh, well, I mean, my, my concern is, again, I, I'm a 49-year-old gay male, so I'm pretty sensitive to, that, to this. I remember mm-hmm. being the kid who was scared to come out. And I'm, obviously, this is the 1980s, 1990s, and it's, it's totally different now. But, I mean, maybe in Cherokee County, it's not all that different uh, in a ruby-red county where people are ashamed just to say that they're a Democrat or publicly display that, that they're a Democrat. To, to come out as gay and knowing that someone on your school board calls you uh, an F word or trans shames, that's just a school board. It's just no place for someone who thinks like that. Right. Exactly. And, and that is what we'll be saying tonight. And we don't want to make a kerfuffle over it, right? We don't want shouting and screaming and, you know, that's, that's for them to do. Against their signs. Right. We're not, we're not going to do that. We don't play that game. Um, And we don't know that there's really anybody it's on anybody else's radar mm-hmm. um, to to that we'll be speaking about this. We hope that we will say our piece, that they will hear us, and they will take it to heart. And yeah. that is what we hope. Um, so, you know, anybody that wants to come out to the Cherokee County 
uh, school board meeting is, is welcome. You can Google it and find the location. It's in Canton. Um, but uh, yeah, seven o'clock know, tonight, as a matter of fact. Tonight. Yeah, and and, and Correct. It, it is actually broadcast on YouTube as well. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be catching that it on is. YouTube later tonight as well. I would like to put on your radar one other thing that's sure. happening in our county. All right, which was HB six forty two and six forty four, which mm-hmm. were passed. They're a local bill. They were passed during the Georgia General Assembly session. Um, it, it took away our board of elections and is creating a, com- a completely new board of elections. Previously, the Democrats put two people on, the Republicans put two people on, the four of them chose a fifth person to be the chair. That and it has worked well, but they have decided to strip that out and create a new board of elections, which will be entirely appointed by the uh, county commission. Wow. Which is you know, solidly Republican. Yeah, so, see, and there's no requirement for it to be bipartisan. Now, hopefully the commissioners will do what's right and, and appoint a bipartisan um, board of elections. That's what we hope. Mm. But uh, it is, we are not the first county that have done this too. They did it in Ware County. They're doing it here. And from what we understand, it's, going to be done elsewhere. Yeah, well, and, and of course, they gerrymandered Cobb County to, to take away the, mm-hmm. the slim blue majority. And again, Cobb's a blue county. I, I, how, how you can gerrymander mm-hmm. it any other way is just reprehensible. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Well, we'll be keeping right. eye on, uh, our eye on that as well as I know you will be. Thank you so much for letting us know Thanks. all about Cherokee County Democratic Party's uh, uh, goings-ons. And uh, we wish you guys the best of luck. And hopefully somebody will uh, speak up and let the world know Rob Brecksteiner does not belong on your school board. That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rain Rose from the Cherokee County Democratic Party for joining us. Again, I want to thank Lorraine Rose, the chair of the Cherokee County Democratic Party. She says everybody there calls her Rain. Anything but Rain to me. She was a joyous ray of sunshine. I want to thank her for giving us a few minutes of her time to tell us what's going on up there. And hopefully there'll be uh, numbers to raise the question. Why is Rob Recksteiner? Anti-trans uses the term "fat" in public. Why is he on our school board? Should shouldn't he be removed? Should shouldn't the school board remove him? Man, decorum and civility in politics is sorely lacking. I appreciate the fact that Rain says we're not going to go in there and get loud and hostile and yard sign the other folks into submission. I mean, what a breath of fresh air that is because. On the flip side, you've got folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is talking to a cabinet secretary like this. You're a liar. You are letting this go on, and the numbers prove it. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative from the state of Georgia, on the Homeland Security Committee, speaking to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. How many more people do we have to watch die every single day in America? How are you going to let this go on? Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. No, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. Marjorie Taylor Greene worships at the altar of the king of liars, one Donald J. Trump. She also lies an awful lot. And again, it's the omission of facts that make lies, too. I believe. I just do. That's just my belief. Uh, lies by omission are lies. She leaves out 
and and most of the GOP does as well when they make so much noise about fentanyl. It's it's their it's their dog whistle to talk about the southern border. The problem is fentanyl. Ninety nine percent of fentanyl comes into this country by way of U.S. citizens returning to the United States. That's not something I'm making up. The Cato Institute, September 14th, 2022. Fentanyl smuggling is ultimately funded by U.S. consumers who pay for illicit opioids, nearly 99% of whom are U.S. citizens. Does she speak to Secretary Mayorkas that way because he's Alejandro and not Alex? Just wondering if that has any impact. Congressman Benny Thompson weighing in after her screed. We can disagree. You don't have to call uh, a witness a liar. But Benny's a Democrat, remember? Uh, Okay, well, how about the Homeland Committee chair? The rules state you can't impugn someone's uh, character. Uh, Identifying or calling someone a liar is unacceptable in this committee. And I make the ruling that we strike those words. By the way, striking those words meant she could no longer speak at that hearing. When we strike... Uh, it does terminate the time of the individual who is speaking. So uh, the gentlelady is no longer recognized. And with no more ability to grandstand, she left the hearing. It wasn't over when she left. She just left the hearing. The thing is, earlier in that hearing, she wasn't booted, I'm sorry, silenced for saying this after Eric Swalwell was done questioning Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Secretary. Listen to what Marjorie had to say on the heels of Eric Swalwell's questioning. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that all of us have a responsibility to elevate our rhetoric and to denounce anti-Semitism and anti-police rhetoric in this country so that Jewish Americans and police officers can be safer? Congressman, I do. Thank you, and I yield back. The gentleman yields, and now I recognize the gentlelady from Georgia, Ms. Green. (laughs) That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I move to take our words down. The chair uh, recognizes the gentlelady from Georgia and asks if she would like to retract those words. No, I will not. House rules dictate that she should have been silenced from that hearing at that point in time, too, because you're not allowed to insult other House members in public like that. To be fair, Marjorie's a little myth because Eric Swalwell showed that Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to defund the FBI, that she's actually all about defunding law enforcement. Well, that got under her skin, obviously, because she held on to that little gem and that handsome smirk until it was her time to speak. I'm telling you, even Republicans in Washington are getting sick of her sh**. When will the 14th District voters do the same. That's it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, on all the major podcast platforms, and you can listen to past episodes at ronshowetl.com.